Welcome to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. In this podcast, there'll be insights around three key areas to mastering the game of life. Purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. Your host, Paul Lowe, the third sector mentor, is the founder of Hearts Global CIC, which along with many other of his charitable commitments, has been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities. Author of Mastering the Game of Life, From Pain to Purpose, and Speaking from Our Hearts books. Introducing your host, Paul Lowe. Welcome to this Mastering Life podcast where, once again, um, it is my absolute immense pleasure to welcome as as a guest, uh, Jim Britt from California. Jim um, is a peak performance expert, as I say, previously been on the uh, the podcast show and gave gave some phenomenal insights around the change process. Um, So without further ado, uh, Jim, a very, very warm welcome. Thank you, Paul. Great to be here. Excellent. So if I could start, uh, Jim, I'd like to to set the scene, if I may, around the the theme of new beginnings. Uh, Because at the time of recording this, uh, you know, we're looking at the, the festive period just around the corner, the new year. And it's traditionally a time when people make New Year's resolutions and all that kind of thing. So... If it's okay with you to sort of set the scene around uh, what I'm going to call actually New Year's revelations rather than New Year's resolutions. And um, to kick us off on that theme, um, Jim, if it's okay, intention and faith, Jim, because obviously we set these intentions in normally around the new year, these new beginnings, let's turn over a new leaf, whatever it may be. What's your thoughts, Jim, around those two relatively small words, but have got massive meanings, intention and faith. You know, intention is, is uh, kind of the, the foundation of, of the mindset that we set for ourselves in any area of our lives. Um, you know, it's like the decision that you make to do a certain thing, whether it be in your business or in your personal life. Uh, if you look back on what you've accomplished up to this point, what you've done in your life up to this point, everything that you have, the person you are, uh, all started with that intention, with that um, firm decision that this is what I'm going to do. And so in, intention uh, creates what I would call attention, uh, or uh, intention determines what you focus your attention upon. Because without an intention, we just, uh, we kind of go through life lost. We go through our business practices lost, uh, our, you know, our personal lives the same way. Um, but the intention, the decision that we make is, is the foundation for everything. Um, and it's a foundation for what we focus our attention upon. So, you know, if a lot of people, I, I, uh, I just did two, uh, two events this last week in Los Angeles and uh, uh, you know you meet a lot of people and you talk to a lot of people and 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 some were were kind of lost you know they're just kind of going through life uh, one of one of them was a um, uh, one of the events was more focused on money and business and it's surprising how many people want to you know want to get rich they want to make a lot of money but yet um, they they spend all of their time uh, poking around on Facebook and and not, they haven't really made that decision to become wealthy whatever that means to them mm-hmm. and so therefore they they have a lot of what I would call busyness versus 
doing actual business because they don't have the intention. Uh, you know, it's not backed up by that firm decision and that intention uh, that creates what they focus their attention upon. Okay. Yeah. So what's the big difference then, Jim, between purpose and intention when, you know, you made that kind of example earlier on about, you know, plotting a course and going forward. And I use the example as I've done many times before about, you know, to, to be without either is like a ship without a rudder. You know, you're going to get tossed around in life seas and you're just going to, you know, amble from one disaster to another. But so what, in your opinion, Jim, what, what is that difference between the two? Uh, that is intention and, and purpose. Well, you know, the, there, there's a fine line there, but, uh, but purpose is more of what, what you're about, um, you know, what your purpose is in life. Just like uh, for the last 40 years, I've been focused on uh, helping people to become better, you know, in, in life and in business, financially, personally, relationships, health, uh, all of those things. So, um, <clears throat> you know, that's my, that I would say that's my overriding purpose, uh, which creates the passion for what I do. And I've done a lot of different things. You know, I've, I've done television infomercials. I've owned uh, health clinics. I've, you know, I've done a lot of different businesses, but every one of them was something uh, to do with helping people become better. So that's my, that's my purpose in life, the way I see it. And, um, and, and it creates the passion um, that's going to drive your, your intention, basically. So I think they're all uh, equally important. Hmm. Okay. So, Right, we've set our intention then, Jim. We we you know we we've got a we've got an idea of what we want to do. In fact, it's probably more than an idea. We've got this strong intention. What stops us doing it? <laughs> well, that that's a uh, that's one of the mysteries of the human mind. But I think, <laughs> I, think I, uh, I figured out some things over the years. But uh, uh, I think I mentioned this. May, maybe I did on our last interview. I can't remember now. It's been a while. But, um, you know, we become addicted to our uh, our way of life. We, you know, I, I asked a group in L.A., I said, how, uh, how many of you uh, know somebody that's set in their ways? And I said, if you don't, turn to your left and turn to your right. You'll find somebody. So everybody turned to their left and turned to the right. And, of course, that means everybody <laughs> in the room is, is all set in their ways. Yeah. And, and we are, we, we just don't, we don't, I mean, maybe some things we look at it that way, but it's like our whole life is that way. We're all set in our ways. Mm -hmm. uh, you can look at somebody that's, that's unhealthy and you can tell, you know, how they're set in their ways or whether they're unhealthy or healthy, it doesn't matter. Or you look at somebody that's uh, struggling in business or making a lot of money. We're all set in our ways. And in order to change, you've got to change that. You've got to become a different person and you got to be able to break free of those addictions and the addictions come from our programming. Uh, just like, uh, if you take a computer and you type something in and you put enter and that creates a file. And, and, and the problem we have is, is we turn our computer around the other way and we allow other people to, to, to type into the computer and press enter. So we're always taking not only our, our own programs, but we're taking programs from other people, especially as, as a youngster growing up, you get programmed in, into certain ways. I mean, it, consciously and unconsciously. It's not, it's not like your, your parents uh, intentionally programmed you to feel, 
you know, less than adequate uh, uh, financially or something like that mm. because, because they were. But yet through observation and experience, you develop that program possibly, or you see conflict in your, the relationship with your parents, um, maybe they ended in divorce or whatever, then that gets programmed in as a child and then uh, that's one of your programs. So now you're looking at relationships like, well, my parents couldn't keep it together. Why should I be able to keep it together? So it, it's, it's that uh, addictive process. And in order to change it, uh, we have to be willing to endure the pain of changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we're always looking at it is, it, is it more comfortable to stay where we are? Let's just take, let's, let's take uh, earning money, for example, because most people spend 16 hours a day looking at ways to make money, either at a job or commuting back and forth, or, but, but they spend a majority of their hours, their waking hours, uh, trying to earn money. So um, if, if that's the case, then uh, how, do you break, how do you break that addiction? How do you break, if, it's not, if you're not making all the money you want to make, how do you break that addiction? Because we've been programmed to do that over and over and over. You got to be willing to say, okay, I've got this idea. I want to start a business. Here's the type of business I'm really passionate about. Um, and it's going to require some effort. It's going to require some pain. It's going to require uh, that, that, you know, I raise capital or whatever, you know, or I go talk to people. I've never done that before. Uh, so we, we weigh out the pain of changing versus the pain of staying where we are. And we weigh those two out. And 95% of the people will go, I think I'll stay where I am. Even though consciously they're saying, I want this over here, but unconsciously those programs, those addictions keep them where they are. So in order to have more, you've got to, you got to step out of your comfort zone and become more. Yeah. I I get that, Jim. And there's something towards the end of the, uh, towards this conversation that I'd like to sum up with that um, that puts that into perfect practical context, but we'll park that for the time being. So am I oversimplifying this, Jim, then to say it's just a simple case of fear versus love? Is that oversimplifying it? Yeah, well, it, it is. Fear and love are uh, <clears throat> two things that we experience all the time. And um, give you my definition of love, um, and then I'll give you my definition of fear. Uh, you know, I had a friend of mine many years ago. He, he said, um, what, what, what do you think the word resourceful means? And I said, well, I don't know, maybe using your imagination or being productive, you know, that type of thing. And I named off three or four things. And he said, oh, it's just an interesting word. <clears throat> and I said, yeah, I agree. Never really thought about it. Went home that night and I thought, I'm going to look that up in the dictionary because it kept ringing in my mind. You know, I don't know why, but it did. And I looked it up in the dictionary and, um, and resourceful, the, it, it's defined as, once again, full of source, resourceful. And I thought, well, that's pretty interesting. Um, and then I, uh, I thought, well, I wonder what the keyword source means. And so I looked that up. And the definition of source is where all things originate. Not some things, but all things. And I thought, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty cool, depending on how you define source. And 
And then I, I kept looking uh, in different locations. I, I was kind of obsessed with it in a, in a way. Uh, I'd go to bookstores. I'd go to, you know, different places and look up things, trying to find. It was back before the Internet was, was here. It was right, actually right before that. And, um, and so I was, I was looking everywhere for, for the definition. And I was in, um, in the U.K. in a little town called Chester, England. And, and uh, I remember looking down this little alleyway and I saw this sign, Antique Bookstore. And I'm going, wow. I mean, I was always intrigued by old books and, and any kind of books, but old books was, I was really intrigued with. So mm -hmm. I walk in the back door of this, uh, this antique bookstore. And the first thing I see is a dictionary. Um, and it had a sign on it saying, do not open, do not touch. And it was really, really old, a big, thick, like eight inches thick. And I, I figured that was for people who lived in the UK, not me. So, <laughs> so I opened the book and the dictionary and I looked up the word source. And um, it had multiple definitions. Uh, most of them were, you know, bottom lines where all things originate. And then I found one definition uh, that said source, love. And I'm going, wow once again, full of love. So think about the things you want to accomplish in your life that you have fallen in love with that. You know, you fall in love with a project, you fall in love with uh, making money, you fall in love with having a great relationship, you, you fall in, in love or in source. So that's where all things originate. Mm. And, and so I, I was pretty, I was pretty uh, excited about that because because it made all kinds of sense to me. And then I thought, wait a minute now, where does fear come from? Because all things originate in source. I thought about that for a little bit and the answer came to me is fear is, is a made up story. Fear is not real. Fear is some, I mean, unless you're being chased by a mountain lion or something, but fear as we know it, you know, fear of talking to people, fear of doing changing, fear of stepping out of your comfort zone, all of that stuff is made up. Fear of meeting a stranger because you start making up in your mind, what are they going to think of me if I go over and talk to that stranger? Are they going to reject me or they this or that? And um, so fear to me is founded in love because all things are. And it's being presented to you saying, if you have, if you take care of this fear, you can have more love in your life. So that's, that's the way I define it. So um, think about where you're, where you're planting your objectives, your intentions um, in your life. Are you, are you planting it in fear? Or are you planting it in love? Are you making up a story uh, in your mind of fear? Are you just uh, allowing it to happen and plant it in love and, and nourish it and watch it grow? Yeah, and you've just said something there, Jim, and you've mentioned the word rejection, which for me then brings in this, this kind of need for acceptance that we have as human beings. And I should imagine from what, you know, that kind of, that's that picture you've painted there, that the, that need for acceptance is quite strong and will go to whatever degree hand in hand with fear as well, because... You know, it's that rejection. We don't want to be disliked. We want to be popular. You know, that general trait of human nature. Is that a fair comment? Well, when you when you look at uh, acceptance um, or, or the need for acceptance and, and and the opposite of that really is the need for control. Hmm. 
or the other need, I should say, that human beings have. And if you look at pretty much anything in your life that's not working, um, whether it's, you know, a relationship or a business or a messy office or a messy home or whatever it might be, there's one of those two needs at the bottom of it. Um, and either need for acceptance or the need to be in control. And mm -hmm. most people will act out one of those two in their lives. And, and, and we all have to a degree, one of those two or both in, in some cases. I mean, certain things we we're in control of. I look at my relationship. Um, my wife's more in control of certain things. I'm more in control of certain things, but we have a balance and, and we understand that. But where, where the problem comes in is when you need to control, you're out of control. Yeah. So yeah. when you need control, that's where the problem comes in. When you let go of the need to control an outcome, then the outcome will, will produce itself because you planted that basically in love and the, and the solution will come to you. So, um, so keep that in mind when you need control, you're out of control. And then on the other side of that, when you need acceptance, you get none. So, um, you know, think of, think of somebody that's clingy, that always seeking acceptance, somebody that's always seeking your attention, you know, whether it's a, a child or, or, an, or an adult, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of adults have the same, same problem. Um, you know, that if you need that acceptance, it, you're kind of put off by it. So when you let go of the need to be accepted, then you get accepted. It's just like, you know, I go speaking and, and I know um, in my early years when I was speaking, uh, of course, almost every speaker has those two needs. They want to control the audience and they want acceptance from the audience. And, and I did all kinds of things, you know, uh, 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 initially, you know, I, I thought, well, I need to come up with some jokes to tell. So I'll get everybody laughing, you know, but that doesn't get any acceptance really. It gets people laughing, but, but how you get acceptance and how do you, uh, how you're in control is by letting go of both of them. You don't need, you don't need to be in control. You don't need acceptance. You just be yourself and, um, and that will come. So uh, that's, that's my take on acceptance and control. We make, again, we make it up in our minds. It's, um, it, you know, it has to do with, um, um, you know, programming that we have. Mm. So in terms of letting go of control then, Jim, what strategies or how, how do we approach that? Well, letting go of control, it's like you, you mentioned um, earlier, you mentioned um, intention and, and faith, I think you said. Yes. Um, letting go of the need to control, the only person you're in control of is you. You can't control other people. You can't control the traffic. You can't control circumstances. You, all you can control is you. And I've seen this happen thousands of times where when people let go of their need for acceptance or their need to control, what I tell them is if it's, part, if it's a conflict with another person, and I've seen this many times in abusive relationships where you'll have an extreme controller, an extreme um, uh, needy acceptance, uh, approval type person. And they're really a perfect match, but what, what they don't realize, especially the person that's needing the acceptance, um, what they don't realize is they're in control if they understand it, because once they let go of that need for acceptance, 
that other person is either going to change or they're going to go away. And most of the time in an extreme relationship, they go away. But see, when you change, your surroundings change. But you are in whatever situation you're in because you put yourself there, not because other people are doing it to you. Yeah. Um, I, I know I had uh, one fellow that I, I know, he said, he said his, his daughter was being uh, abused by her, her, her husband. And he was very upset. He said, what would, you, what would you do? He said, what would you do with him? And I said, well, it's not his problem. I said, it's her problem. He said, no, he, he's the one beating her up. And I said, no, that, that's true. But I said, she's the one in control. She said, well, he said, well how, how would that be? And I said, because she needs acceptance. And once she lets go of her need for acceptance, uh, he no longer has somebody to, to beat up, to abuse. Yeah. But as long as she has that, it's a perfect match. It's like a magnet that attracts. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a question then, Jim, of looking for the truth? Well, the truth, that's a, interesting. And, um, you know, everybody's heard the term, the truth will set you free. That doesn't necessarily mean telling the truth, which is a good place to start, but it means uh, looking at the truth within yourself. And the reality is there is no truth other than what you create. So everybody's got a different truth. I don't care if it's a, a religious truth or a truth about money or relationships or health or any, any area of your life. Uh, everybody's got a different truth. And, um, you know, there is no path to the truth other than the one you create for yourself. So it's different for everybody. It's just like I asked the Dalai Lama one time, um, which religion was the correct religion to the exclusion of all other religions. He had an interesting uh, comeback with that. He said, well, there should be as many religions on earth as there are people, <laughs> because everybody's got a different path to the truth. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Secret to happiness, Jim. What's the secret to happiness? Um, you know, the word happiness and the word happening is pretty close. Happen, happiness and happening. Um, uh, to me, happiness is whatever's happening right now. Because if you're always waiting for something else or something else to make you happy. In fact, I heard a, a speaker at this last event that I did, and, and they, they said, will money make you happy? And, and the speaker said, of, it, of course it will. You can you can drive the car you want to drive and that'll make you happy. You can go, you can go buy the clothes that you want and that'll make you happy. And you can go uh, on trips and that'll make you happy. And they named off 50 different things. that will make you happy if you have money. And which is in my opinion, not true. Um, there's a difference between pleasure and happiness. Um, happiness is a state of being. Uh, pleasure is things that, give you joy and pleasure. Uh, you know, a, a new car is not going to make you happy. It may give you pleasure. You can drive it, feel good in it, smell the new leather, uh, be comfortable driving to and from someplace. Um, you know, but it's not, it's not going to make you happy because at some point all that's going to wear off, you know, um, going on a trip. If the, if the trip is the only thing that's going to make you happy, what's going to happen when you get back off of that trip, you're going to start saying, well, I need another trip in order to be happy. So happiness is whatever's happening right now. 
if if we're broke, we should we should be happy. If we're making a lot of money, we should be happy. If we're if we're whatever it is, whatever's happening in our lives, if we are in that state of happiness because it's it's something inside, it's and it, it only happens in the moment. It it doesn't happen tomorrow. It doesn't happen when you get someplace. It doesn't happen yesterday. It only happens right now, this moment. And that moment is fleeting. So it's uh, whatever's happening in your life, if you can look at it that way and just be happy with whatever that is and understanding that life is unfolding and and you're the one in control of, of it unfolding, um, I think you'll be a lot happier. Yeah, I absolutely understand that, Jim. Um, if I can be allowed to play devil's advocate, though, and say, well, we've got a slight challenge on that because we've got something called emotions. How does that influence the... Because emotions are very, very powerful influences for it, aren't they? Very powerful. Well, emotions are, um, are the surfacing of feelings. Emotion, it's energy of the feelings put into motion. And it's the energy of the programs that we have, the addictions that we have, good or bad. I mean, we, we can have good addictions as, as well as bad. And what I mean by that is like the first time you get in an automobile to drive, uh, you think, well, this is going to be easy. All I got to do is keep it between the lines. And, and that's the easy part. But then you've got to watch the traffic in front of you and behind you. And you got to, you know, you've got to, you know, stop at the right times. You got to look at the speed limits. You got to look at all of those things that's going on around you all the time, uh, you've got to learn those things. And, it, and at some point, um, we become comfortable with that. And it's like second nature. So that's a, that's a, uh, a, a program that's, that's a, or an addiction that's a good one. You know, and we all have those. We have habits that we have that are good. I mean, it's, it, how would you like to get up every morning and go out to get in your automobile and, and you got the key and you go, now, how do I start this thing? You know, how do I drive this? What do I need to pay attention to? But we don't. And, you know, whether it's putting on our pants in the morning or brushing our teeth or whatever it may be, we have, we have habits um, and, and addictions. And, um, and we have emotions. And the emotions, uh, a lot of times or most of the time will surface, negative emotions will surface based on past programming. So uh, the key is when something comes up, a feeling, an emotion that surfaces. Maybe you see somebody that reminds you of your ex that you're now divorced and you're upset with for whatever reason, just as, as an example, and you see somebody else that reminds you of that person and then the emotion comes up. Um, that is a opportunity that's been presented to you to remain happy. And if you can learn to let go of that and realize it happened, in the past, but it's not happening now unless you allow it. So you, you take a deep breath and you, you let it go and you're back in the moment where happiness exists. Yeah. And uh, I think I mentioned this on the previous one, Jim, and, and obviously, you know, th this massively powerful insight was, uh, I, I got this from you, from your good self when we first touched base, what, four, must be four years ago now. Um, and it's, it's a, a phrase that I've now coined when I say to, to people, what's the most three important words in the, in the world? And usually it comes back, not always, but usually, I love you. And for me, 
it is those three words let it go now we know that's you know words are easy um, and it's not quite that simple but actually I think like everything once you get into this habit and, and, and changing the mindset and you know the profound knock-on effects of, of actually letting go it, it actually it is that simple when you compare you know the alternative is well let's stay in pain but as you alluded to Jim at the top of this conversation you know people make that uh, decision either consciously or subconsciously well do you know what it's okay um, I've got a bit of a pebble in my shoe but better the devil you know I'll stick with it rather than change and and that's the choice we all have to make isn't it yeah it really is and it, you know you mentioned uh, the three powerful words I love you and let it go well I, I love you <clears throat> can be an, a, an attached form of love there's nothing wrong with that you know you can um I mean, you can love another person. You can, you can, you can love your automobile. You can love eating chocolate. You can, you know, there's a lot of things you can love, um, and and that's an attached form of love, and that's okay unless unless it gets out of hand. Like I love heroin, or I love you know something like that. Um, but um, let it go is is a form of love, but it puts you in that resourceful state it puts you in in that type of love so when you let go it's like when you decide you're going going to accomplish something and you plant it in 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 source and and then you you want to allow it to materialize it's 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 kind of like planting a seed in the garden and trying to force it to grow now you can do things to help it grow. You can nourish it. You can keep the weeds out. You can, you know, do the things that that's necessary to make your garden grow. Um, but uh, in the mind and then in the emotions, there's weeds as well. And and a lot of times we get focused on the weeds instead of the the, the garden. So if we if we let go uh, of the the weed, so to speak, as that emotion comes up, if we learn to let go of that, we'll have more love in our lives. Basically, we'll exist more in love. Yeah. Thank you for that, Jim. Um, I alluded to at the top of this conversation about um, a more practical context towards the end. And I'd like to bring that in, if I can now, Jim, in terms of part of my vision is to create a global network of social leaders. So people that really can work together for social good um, and not just in their local community but globally and you know to a small degree a relatively small degree it's something that I've I've started to flirt with and I, and so the 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 rationale Jim for my questions to you have been very very much around that um, you know these are thoughts that I've had obviously I've you know, I've been privy to your material, I've studied your material, and so I've I've kind of amalgamated that to my own vision of creating these social leaders and thinking, yeah, that's relevant. I can see how that will uh, play a part to whatever degree. So in the, that practical context, Jim, um, you know, as a client, say, come into you and say, Jim, I've got this great idea. I want, you know, I want to create, I want to save the world. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, and I want to create all these social leaders. And we, you know, for my um, understanding, Jim, we've touched on some, you know, we've only just whistle stopped them, but we've touched on some very relevant aspects. But is there anything else that you would add into the equation that hasn't been touched upon? 
in the context that I've given? Well, uh, I mean, first of all, you know, if you can, if you can really get behind the fact that we, we are a global community, that we are all connected. I mean, I've seen it happen so many times where, where somebody's in conflict with somebody and they let go of that conflict and, and they haven't seen that person for 25 years and mm -hmm. suddenly that person shows up or suddenly that person leaves or, you know, because they've disconnected that. But we are, we are connected energetically. I mean, the human being is, is an energy unit, basically. We're, we're, we're energy. And, um, uh, and just like everything else is energy. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're the same as the tree, we're the same molecules, the same atoms, uh, the same as the grass, the same as the computer I'm uh, in front of right now. Um, yeah. But we're, we are a global community, but we don't, we wanna, we wanna know how, how can we take that even further? And, and it does, you know, you probably heard it many times, it starts with you, each individual. And what I realized many, many years ago is that, you know, I personally, as an example, I've, I've been in front of uh, over a million and a half people in my, my seminars uh, over the years. It's not just the people that, that you affect that you come in contact with, but think about this, if they change, people around them change. Yeah. So it's far reaching. It's a, it's a residual effect um, that if somebody changes or somebody picks up uh, an idea of what, what you just said and, and starts to use that in their life or start to share it with other people, it has another residual effect. Like one of the speakers at, at uh, one of the events I did, uh, I actually mentored and, and trained and, um, and he's out there doing the same thing that I'm doing in a really big way mm. uh, all over the world um, with, with what I taught him. And, and I, I look at that and go, wow, so th that's, pretty, that's pretty incredible. I mean, Tony Robbins was my student for five years, yeah. uh, a student. I hired him and trained him, and, and he worked under my direction for five years while I was with uh, Jim Rohn uh, in business. And, um, and look at what he's done out there. He's been in, in, I think he's affected some 50 million people, mm. uh, you know, that he's been in front of. So um, you have to look at it that way but the you know there's there's just things that you can do but more than anything is to put yourself in that in that loving spot and and not trying to control everybody's circumstances and um and you know allow that to to spread now on the other hand you know uh you're part of the change book series uh we're now in this just finished our 16th publication we've got 320 co-authors in 26 countries and many of those co-authors have taken uh, a lot of what we what we've trained them on uh, and provided for them and the community collaborating together and has taken their businesses to a whole new level and all of those people are coaches and speakers so they were out there spreading the word as well yeah uh, and uh, in fact I just started a, a brand new one a book series called cracking the rich code and that's, uh, I'm, I'm doing that one with uh, Kevin Harrington from the TV show Shark Tank. And uh, that's already starting to spread. We're in our first volume of that. We, we plan to do 100 volumes of that where we bring 20 co-authors in each book and then, and then create a social media presence for them so that they're getting the word out about what they do and, and help to create that community worldwide. So uh, there can be organized things that you can do. There could just be things that you do 
that's not organized with other people. It's just who you are. Yeah. So finally, Jim, um, by way of um, concluding concluding matters, as I said, the, the title really New Year's New Year's resolutions. It's something that um, that's banded around through the world, and you know, with the fresh start or call it what you will, new beginnings. For me, New Year's revelations or just new revelations. Forget when the year is or the time, because I think that's uh, you know that's a constraint in in my humble opinion. So, but if you had one powerful message, Jim, and I know you've got countless powerful messages, but if you, you know, if I had to kind of squeeze you in a corner and say, Jim, what is that one big message that you can send out there as people do kind of buy into this New Year's resolution kind of approach or new beginnings or however people choose to approach it? What would that be, Jim? What would be that knockout message? Well, the message would be, you know, that the, the new year, the calendar is all man-made. So my message would be don't wait till the new year. Mm. You know, to me, a new year's resolution is, um, is, is kind of a, a way of putting things off. Uh, I mean, it's December 11th, uh, right now. And, uh, you've got, you know, what, 20 days or something till the end of the year. Yeah. So you're thinking about the new year and the new year's resolution. What are you going to do between now and, the new year that's whether it's today or tomorrow, the next day, that's going to create a better year for you next year. So instead of always looking toward the new year, I hear people go, well, I'm going to set a new year's resolution to lose weight. They probably won't Mm. uh, because they're not doing it now. So my, my message would don't wait till the new year, get it done now and, 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 and start it now, make the resolution now and, and start taking action on it. And, you know, people are going to say, well, it's holidays. Nobody wants to do this or do that. Well, that could be true in some cases, but uh, put that intention out there and you're going to find other people that want to support you in that. Fantastic. So, Jim, to any listeners that, um, that want to get in touch with you or find out more about you, how, how can they do that? Well, uh, <clears throat> my website is jimbritt.com, uh, B-R-I-T-T. Uh, jimbritt.com. Uh, you can reach me there. Um, also, if if we have any entrepreneurs listening, uh, this book series with uh, that I'm doing with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank is going to be huge. And it's for any type of entrepreneur. And we're going to create, uh, we're going to create a, a Facebook fan page. It's going to brand that entrepreneur with myself and with Kevin. And, uh, and we're going to have a lead generation system, a bot that's set up that's going to target their specific audience and build their fans and build, build leads for them. Um, and we're looking for qualified co-authors to be a part of this venture. That's not the only thing we're providing. You get a chapter in the book. You get your bio and your picture and your contact info, um, which is pretty incredible. But if you want to go to jimbrittbook.com forward slash details, You'll see. Um, you'll you, you can you can look at exactly what uh, this this offer is, and um, uh, if you're an entrepreneur, there's just not a better way I don't think than than branding uh, along with what we're doing here. It really it's a PR marketing branding lead generation strategy like no other. So if you're interested in taking your business to another level, uh, go to jimbrittbook.com forward slash details, and uh, I'd love to chat with you. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jim. Once again, it's been, uh, well, to say it's been insightful is a massive understatement. And you know, 
I know you know because of the you know the personal conversations we have the the gratitude that um, that I expressed to you for for spending your time and your insight. So yeah, no apologies, Jim, for reinforcing yet again. Thank you very much indeed. My pleasure. Thank thanks so much. Okay, so there we have it, listeners. Um, Jim Britt, all the way from sunny California, and uh, giving his valuable insights, invaluable insights. And so until the next time, thank you for listening. Be safe and keep loving. Thanks for listening to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. Drop a line to paul at paullohart.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at paullohart.com or any of his social media feeds under the same name. Remember, mastering life starts by embracing our hearts.